Welcome back to the Worldview Minute. I'm Pastor Levi Secord. In our last episode, we dove into what is probably uh, the most popular or most talked about passage about the state and its role in Scripture today. That is Romans 13, which commands a general uh, submission to the state, but it also teaches us that the state is God's servant. But the question naturally becomes, what what happens when the state isn't functioning as God's servant? How does the Bible talk about that? If we're going to have a fully developed biblical view, biblical worldview of the state, you can't stop with Romans 13. You also have to also have to factor in texts like Revelation chapter 13, and that's what we are going to do today, as the state is pictured in a very different way in the book of Revelation. And so there we're going to need to pause for a second, because we have to understand that there are, are many different ways to understand or interpret the book of Revelation. And I'm not going to dive into the, the major different camps and who I think is right and who I think is wrong, but we can say that there are at least these three different basic ways of looking at Revelation. One views most of the book as being completely fulfilled already, that it's all happened in the past. Another view thinks that pretty much all of it is going to happen in the future. And another view looks at it as describing it as something, it's kind of a mixture of the two, but it describes in general uh, this age, the church age. Now, wherever you are in that, How we're going to look at Revelation 13 and the state in the book of Revelation, it really doesn't impact what camp you're in. It shouldn't impact what we're talking about here today because it gives us another picture of the state. Whether that state was back then, now, or in the future, it it rounds out our view of how the state is viewed by God. And what we find is that when the state isn't acting as God's servant, it becomes uh, demonic. It becomes a tyrant and, and tyranny is wrong. And so... Wherever you stand on the book of Revelation, I want us to look specifically about how the state is pictured in this book. And we're going to begin in Revelation 12. We could begin somewhere else, but Revelation 12. There's this vision given to us of the birth of Christ. Christ is being born. Satan is cast out of heaven. He's pictured as this giant dragon. And the dragon is there with his mouth open, ready to devour uh, the promised Messiah. This, of course, in in the real world or in, in the story of the Gospels, is Herod. There's Herod killing the children, trying to destroy uh, the birth of the Messiah. And what we have here is then the dragon then shifts his attention to opposing the saints. He's opposing the saints. He's trying to persecute them, and God delivers them. And chapter 12 of Revelation ends with this giant dragon, Satan himself, standing on the sand of the seashore. And he summons out of that two beasts. Two beasts come out of that. And what we see here is what we've often seen throughout world history. Right? There's this picture of conflict that floods Revelation and church history and world history where the state persecutes God's people. The state persecutes the church. Whether it's something like communist countries or other religions um, that take over states or, or Rome in the early church or Catholic nations versus Protestants during the Reformation, the state has almost always been used as an enemy to God's people. And we see this pictured here in Revelation 13. So I'm going to read to you from Revelation 13, beginning in verse 1, ending in verse 8. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its head. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and his great authority. And one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given 
his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opens its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And the authority was given to it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. What you have here, and then you have the second beast introduced who encourages the people to worship the first beast. And the beast, again, whether you think it was a past government, current government, or a future government, is clearly the state. It has authority. It has crowns. Satan is giving it its authority. The state here is no longer functioning as a servant, but actually as a, a rival to God as it utters blasphemies and people bow down and worship it instead of the true God. And the imagery here in Revelation 13 actually points back to Daniel chapter 7. And we are given a vision. There are four beasts who are four kingdoms who will rise up. And all of these kingdoms are then overthrown one by one. But ultimately all of them in totality are overthrown as the Son of Man ascends to the right hand of the Father in Daniel chapter 7. The Son of Man, of course, being Jesus Christ. So there's this repeated theme in Daniel of these different kingdoms, these different states that will rise and be terrifying. And then they are all then shattered uh, by the Messiah, whether they're pictured as beasts or the statue of, of different materials, that they are then eventually overthrown by Christ. And so there's some applications we can make here, specifically from the book of Revelation, to how we think about the state. All right, well, the state is designed, Romans 13, to be the servant of God, Often it rebels in a beastly way to oppose God and to usurp God. To put it another way, one of the main tools Satan uses to oppose God and his people is the state. We need to rephrase that, right? The state is designed to be a servant of God, but one of the main ways that Satan, or one of the main tools that Satan uses to oppose God and his people is a tyrannical state. We've seen this throughout world history. We've seen it in biblical history. Pharaoh in Egypt the Canaanites, the Philistines, the evil kings in Israel, uh, Babylon, whether it was Nebuchadnezzar or Darius and his rulers, uh, Rome, Herod trying to kill Christ at his birth, Rome demanding worship of Caesar, uh, the Sanhedrin, which was a governing body over Israel underneath Rome, uh, forbidding the preaching of the gospel in Jerusalem. The state has ever been a weapon in the hand of the enemy used against God's people. This means that as Christians, we have a vested interest in limiting the power and the authority of the state. Right? If there is no God above the state, the state grows and grows and grows and often then uses that authority to oppose God and his people. So that leads us to the second thing. Revelation 13 teaches us this very clearly. A tyrannical state is demonically um, empowered. It's demonic. This is a point Francis Schaeffer makes in his wonderful little book that I recommend, A Christian Manifesto. The first and second beast drive worship of the state by the people. They replace God with the state. When the, when the state stops functioning as the servant of God, it often then uh, tries to replace God with itself. And so this is demonic. When the state grows and it in tyranny and tries to control all of your life. It is trying to claim a universal and unlimited authority that only actually belongs to God. This is idolatrous. This is tyrant or this is demonic. 
right there in Revelation chapter 13 and 12, right? The, the, the dragon summons the beast out. The dragon empowers the beast and that drives people to worship it as if it were God. This is a tale as old as time. Pharaoh claimed a level of divinity. Caesar claimed a level of divinity, demanded worship. Whether you're looking at communist states today that get rid of God, we're an atheistic country. Well, what then functions as God? The state. The rulers. Third, to oppose tyranny, since tyranny is demonic, third, to oppose tyranny is to oppose Satan. Conversely, to support tyranny is to oppose God. How you act politically in the, in the state sphere matters. If Satan is always driving the state as a weapon against God's people to grow beyond its proper sphere, and we'll talk about spheres later, and to be used as a God replacement, right? If you are supporting that kind of tyranny in how you vote, how you think, how you argue, how you act politically, you are supporting the, you are supporting the work of Satan. You are supporting a demonic work and you are opposing God. Christians should not do this. A biblical view of the state, Romans 13, servant of God, limited state. What is the danger of the state? Revelation 13, that it can become tyrannical and demonic. Finally, uh, what else? What happens to these beasts? As we move on in the book of Revelation, we see that they are ultimately defeated by Christ, crushed by the risen Messiah, and cast into eternal flames. Revelation 19, verses 17 through 20. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called out to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and their riders and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and who those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. Jesus overthrows tyranny. Political, religious tyranny inspired by the beast um, and the, the great dragon. The gospel message is a war on tyrants. It is no accident that in world history where the gospel has taken root, where Christianity became the worldview by which people thought and lived, that freedom and limited government prospered. And wherever the gospel wanes, the state grows into this beastly thing where it oppresses its own people and opposes the church of Jesus Christ. The gospel message is a war on tyrants. It is a warning of their impending judgment as the, telling them that they cannot usurp Christ. They cannot attack his people. So Virginia has for their state logo, on a picture of a man standing over a dead tyrant with a spear or a sword or something in his chest. And the Latin says, Sic semper tyrannis. Thus always the tyrants. Death to tyrants. This is what will always happen to tyrants. The book of Revelation tells us the same thing. It means it a little differently. But all tyrants will get cast into the pit of hell if they do not repent with their beast that they have worshipped. Death to all tyrants is a part of the gospel message because Jesus alone is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. A biblical theology of the state has to recognize that the state is designed to be the servant of God, but Satan is always corrupting the good, and he has corrupted the state to become an enemy of God, to usurp God, and to oppose God's people. The state has within it the ability to become a beast, 
a terrible snarling uh, beast that destroys freedom, people, lives, and attacks God's people. Therefore, it is the job of all faithful Christians to actively oppose the beast, to seek a limited government. So I'll rephrase what I said at the beginning. You cannot have a full biblical theology of the state if you only talk about Romans 13. You must factor in Revelation 13 as well. The gospel message. Jesus is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. This is a threat to tyrants everywhere. Thus to all tyrants. Sic semper tyrannis. Is encapsulated underneath the gospel message of Jesus Christ that he died for sinners to free us and to reclaim his world where he now rules this world at the right hand of the Father and will establish his kingdom forever. And that will end every tyrant, whoever was, whoever will be. I encourage you to like, comment, and share in this video. We're going to continue to unpack a biblical understanding of the state, its role, its functions, its blessings, and its dangers. Thank you for joining me today.